0: Welcome back in, folks. Just gone two o'clock here on SENZ Afternoons with Steffi, Great to have your company. Great to have Sammy back. And we've got Finn in the hot as well. Uh, joining us now as he does each Thursday, first time we've had a chance to catch up with TJ on the other side of the All Black coaching announcement. Oh, it's finally done, TJ. It's finally done.
1: Yeah, that's right, Staffan. It's a good thing, I suppose, decisions being made. Ideally, we should now be able to get attention back to where it really needs to be in a World Cup year. As I say, this hasn't exactly been a, a, a glorious time uh, for New Zealand rugby in terms of the, the you know the management of the game. It hasn't been a particularly transparent process. Uh, it's not a lot convincing about the manner in which you know everything's been articulated over the last nine months, although I think Dane Patsy Reddy's doing her best to, to rectify that. Uh, a lingering suspicion that they might not have cast the net very far or wide, if at all. I mean, how deep into the process did Jamie Joseph actually get? Uh, we have to presume he was interviewed. Um, or was the process all about installing a popular choice before any more temptation to put in his way? Um, to, to, and if, to that end, you could argue that a less popular figure than um, Razor Robertson could have come into a bit of criticism for the way at times he appeared to be trying to call the call the tune. But it's done. Good luck to Razor. I, I think he's going to bring a, a great fresh approach to the role. He's going to sprinkle some sunshine on a role that's, you know, been different shade to grey about it all over the years. But, um, you know, I, I think he brings innovation. He brings a completely different style, and I, I look forward to watching it unfold. Um, as I say, we should be putting it to bed now, um, but it's not going to be put to bed because I think all the speculation now is going to be about who the assistants are going to be.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and I just wonder, Well, I mean, when they asked him for his assistance, he just said, oh, we've just got this box ticked now, I have to go away and work on that, which does that mean he's got his favoured ones and NZR said not so fast or no, you can't have him? What, what do you think is going to happen assistant coach-wise?
1: Well, you know, again, they've kind of moved the goalposts in the past. It was all about, you know, the team that you had around you being part of your credentials for the job. So has that been done as well? Has that been set in stone? Jason Holland's saying that he hasn't heard from him for two months. Um, that might be a clue. But, uh, you know, I, they probably are going to have a, a changing of the guard in the management staff, or some are referring to it as a, a clear-out. I mean, we know Gilbert Janooka, who's been there forever, um Burke's going, uh, you'd expect more to follow uh, Razor will want and probably has a right to a certain degree to have people around him that he's comfortable with or familiar with but again, I think New Zealand rugby have to be part of this they have to now work the hardest to get the best possible people around Razor Roberts and I think well, no matter what's been said and done or promised or hinted at in the past, I think they've got to start with a bit of a clean slate here because um, the last thing you want is what happened with Brad Moore and John Plumtree uh, to happen midway through the, the next cycle.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: look, the, 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 the coaching start look, Jason Ryan, he's a locker. You, yep. you know that. Uh, he, he, he's had a major positive impact on this team, and, and he'll be there. He, he might be one of only, well, he might be the only one. He might be one of only a few to survive. The rest, as I say, there's, there's speculation about, jason holland i i wonder whether he might be better off getting a bit more time on the job in super rugby or even a stint offshore his contracts up at the end of this year from, from uh, there's been talk of leon mcdonald uh, as well I, but he's also been linked with scotland to me the guy they have to go after is tony brown and and i know he's been very much part of a team with jamie joseph a, a team that i think had strong credentials for this job um but, but Tony Brown, he's an innovator, he's a thinker, but he's got a bit of a pragmatist all rolled into one. He, he has worked with um, Scott Robertson in the past, and I don't think it would be disloyal of him to say to Jamie Joseph, you know what, mate, it's been a great ride, been terrific working with you, but I really want this. I don't I don't think Jamie would have a problem with that, and I do think it would be good to have someone, not only with those other credentials that I mentioned, but also Tony Brown's international experience in the mix.
0: Gosh, just imagining, I mean, Jason Ryan's proven his credentials pretty much within three weeks of um, getting into the black blazer, I think, razor, yes. Uh, And Tony Robinson's got that international experience, that New Zealand rugby bang on that they want. I would hope to think, I would expect that they will at least reach out to him and say, come and have a yarn.
1: I think so, and and if you could get that team together, then you're starting. Okay, it's not quite the 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 Henry Hanson Smith uh, dream team uh, that came into the job in two thousand and four. Uh, might not be in the same stadium, but it's you know close to the same postcode. I, that would be a, a, a great, you know, complete sort of new new look, I suppose. Um, but but I, you know, we don't know because as I say, there's been a lack of transparency, and for, and for this time, there's been really apart from the fact that, um, you know, Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph were touted as a team together. Um, there hasn't really been talk about the assistants this time around. The other guy whose name, of course, has been absent from the conversation because he withdrew from the conversation, Joe Smith. Now, I, I still hope that New Zealand rugby can find a role for this guy. Uh, if he's not going to be part of the All Blacks, I still would love to see him there as some kind of technical advisor to the union so that they, um, you know, who, Razor and, and his gang can, can tap into his vast intellectual property, his vast knowledge, deep knowledge of the particularly the European rugby scene and Ireland especially, uh, and also maybe a guy who could you know, uh, advise the, the super rugby coaches as required as well, the under-20 coaches and, and all that sort of thing. I'd, I'd, I'd really love to see New Zealand rugby try and create a role uh, for, for Joe Smith so that he's... he's you know, vast experience and knowledge is not lost of the
0: game. Um, just wondering, we've had a few people once Razor was named, there's a fear or uh, it's been flagged. They think it's going to become quite Crusader centric, particularly with um, Jason Ryan and the Razor going in there. Um, and there's a feeling that, well, Crusaders have been successful, but it doesn't always carry on into all black success. Do you, do you think that's something we need to be wary of?
1: Yeah, it is. Because uh, the last time it happened, it didn't actually work all that well, did it? Um, yeah, they, they, uh, Robbie Deans and John Mitchell, or it should be the other way around, Mitch was the, the head coach. I mean, they certainly had some success. I, I well remember them putting 50 points on South Africa one week and Australia the next. Um, but they yeah, got beaten at the semi-finals of the World Cup. But there were times where it just almost looked like they'd moved most of the Crusader organisation into the All Blacks and they do have to guard against that. That's why, you know, I'm just looking at the Tony Brown factor to bring a bit of outside thinking, uh, just, you know, in terms of management. Yes, he does uh, have a right to have people around him that he can work with, that he's comfortable with. But again, I I think they've got plenty of time. I think that is one of the advantages with having this decision made early. To me... um, I've been saying for some time I didn't think it needed to be made this early, but they've, they've done it. And I guess that gives them plenty of time now to work through these things and, and just say, hold on a moment, we've got our coach in place um and, and let's just work away to get the best team around them, But in the meantime, we've got this really important thing going on over here and it is called Rugby World Cup 2023. And uh, a bloke called Ian Foster, who is still the All Black coach, deserves... Uh, more support than I think he's been given from New Zealand Rugby. Yeah,
0: I think Ian Foster's come out of this all right. Like he aired his disappointment, and I think he was well within his rights to do that. And as an employee of New Zealand Rugby, is it too long about a bow to stretch for me to say New Zealand Rugby have treated Ian Foster appallingly?
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, as I've, I've, I've said so many times whether you and I or anyone else think that he is ever was the best man for the job was the right guy wasn't the right guy to, um, and I know Steve Hansen certainly right at the beginning thought he was the right man for the job um, but you know the fact that he is the all black coach and I think he's been you know to, what it must have been like for him to find out that there were meetings going on about his replacement midway through the, through the championship last year Uh to me, he's actually kept his dignity throughout this whole thing. Um, and as I say, he, he deserves now to have the full resources of New Zealand rugby uh, put behind him um, and, and give him the best shot of, of winning the World Cup. Um, because I think, if, you know, th- th- they are a shot at it. Because if they can get through that ridiculously lopsided draw, um, there's a final to be won.
0: And TJ, last thing before we leave that, and we'll talk about the games this week. I actually want to talk to you about Crusaders Blues last week as well. But um, just me and Sam were talking in the in the first hour about, particularly Sam was, he was hot on it. Um, and it's a really good point. After that Alice Park uh, victory for the All Blacks, and it looked like Razor was about to go in, they had a turn, uh, about turn with that. And they came out and said, Ian Foster's our man. Ian Foster's our man for the World Cup. Um, he's our guy. We back him 100%. What's changed between then and now for them to say, well, he's not actually our man. Well, he is for this year, but Razor after. What's changed?
1: Uh, You'd probably have to ask them that. Uh, yeah, as I say, I, 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 what's changed, and, and, and this is what I was referring to before about, you know, who's been calling the tune here, was that they got really worried about losing their, I guess, their number one contender to take over um, from Ian Foster. And look, he he was their guy through to the World Cup. They they, they never said beyond that. Uh, And they were worried about England. They were worried about Australia. And, you know, to me, when those jobs got filled, it it reduced some of that um, that urgency about it. So I I think they they were worried that they would get through to the end of this year and suddenly find that uh, um, Ian Foster was going to move on or they had to move them on or or whatever. Uh, If he'd won the World Cup, it would be, you know, a different story. But just worried about not having anyone with strong credentials to take over. So I think that's probably what uh, uh, prompted this acceleration of the process.
0: Mm. All right, super rugby time. Thank you for your thoughts on those. 34 to the Crusaders, 28 to the Blues. Uh, so many discussion points about that. There, there's always the Moonga versus Barrett thing. There's the Cards. There's James Dolman. There's uh, teams playing to the edge of the law and probably beyond the law and not getting called out for it. What an 80 minutes of rugby that was.
1: Oh well, yeah, everything that you want, um, I just thought it was one of those games. It was a a top billing game. It was a replay of last year's final and had everything that we liked. There was some spectacular rugby, and sometimes that gets a little bit lost uh, in the post match discussion. And, you know, there was plenty to talk about after that game, but some spectacular tries, Um, fantastic defence, you know, big, huge moments. And and we all know that those. that's the, the Crusaders' trademark, that they play those big moments so well. And you think about the, um, you know, three or four amazing pieces of defence that we saw from just from Richie Moonga alone, but also the Blues, you know, twice getting the ball over the line, um, not being able to score. And I know people are saying, oh, you get the ball over the line, you know, you, you should score a try. But, you know, you get hit by a, a 10-ton truck in the name of Ethan Blackadder. it's um, <laughs> can be a little bit hard to hang on to a football sometimes I think. so, so there was there was all that um, and, and it was gripping that the, the game was in the balance right to the end. In the end, look I think the Crusaders uh, did deserve to shade it, um, A because of their great defense, but also the, the way they um, you know, took their own opportunities far more ruthless at, at converting opportunities into points. Uh, we the, the, the Barrett-Moonga thing well I, I don't think there's any question on this particular occasion, I, I don't think Barrett played badly at all, I think his kicking game was actually the most effective that it's been all, all, all this year hmm. but, but Richie moonga was the standout for those huge moments and there was just that other thing that we, I think we touched on it at times during the commentary, you don't want it to become the, the whole talking point but yes there is this suspicion that, that well, let's be nice about it, the Crusaders worked out the parameters very well Uh, They figured out what they could and they couldn't get away with. I think they probably, well, I think they definitely deserve to have more than one player uh, sent to the Simbin. Uh, But they rode their luck and they got away with it. Uh, And there were a couple of times I thought, you you know, it was almost buy a lottery ticket thing. And there were a couple of fairly fairly strange sort of um, passages that that to me they were lucky to escape uh, without a yellow card. But having said all that, I still think in the end, on the balance of it, they deserve to
0: win. They've got a tough ask against the Brumbies with so many in the um, injury room for the Crusaders. And the Brumbies, I think, are the best of the Australians. Massive hot favourites, the Crusaders, against the Brumbies. So I agree with favouritism, but it wouldn't be the most weird thing you've ever seen to see the Brumbies come out on top of the Crusaders?
1: Well, they, they are. You're right, they are the best of the Australian teams, and, and that's, you know, evident in the score table, because or the points table, I should say, because, you know, they haven't lost a game yet. They're very consistent, whereas the other Australian teams have been the, the very definition of erratic, uh, if if not something less than that. The problem the Crusaders have got is that suddenly, even with their vast depth, they are going to be missing a lot of serious firepower, uh, severe reefs possibly for the duration of the season, Sam Whitelock, broken hand, um, you'd have to think, you know, they're tricky could be out for five or six weeks, and you'd add them to, you know, David Haveli. I thought Dallas McLeod had a fantastic game last yeah,
0: week, filling in
1: for one of the most influential players in that Crusaders team. He made that role his own in a completely different way toward the, to which um, David Haveli plays, but I, I, I thought he was he was terrific. But, you know, Will Jordan's still out, Newell, Grace, Goodhue, Bell. That, that's a lot of. You know, very um, powerful presence on a rugby field that's not going to be there. I see uh, the Flying Mullet's going to uh, get, get a run. Uh, Pepisana uh, Patafilo's going to start on the right wing and Zach Gallag- Gallagher comes into the pack. But they will have to be on their game because and, and they will have to be very disciplined because the Brumbies are a team that feasts on opposition and discipline. You know what they're going to do. They're going to play for penalties. They're going to play for position. They're going to play for that line-out drive to set it up. And, and it's something they do extremely well. So, I, I look, to me, this, this is a, a real test of character and depth for the Crusaders. Uh, at last, they get to play at home. But they're playing against a team with whom they were part of the best r- a rivalry in Super Rugby for a, probably about a 10-year period around the, the turning of the dec- uh, of the millennium.
0: Uh, the Highlanders are chasing their second win. The Drua have already had two wins. I like what I see about the Drua, and I feel like inside Forsyth Bar Stadium is a good thing for the Drua for the style of play they bring.
1: Well, you know, if there's a lot of noise there, they'll probably like that. Um, <laughs> you know, conditions... Uh, Oh, look, they've been terrific. The, the Drua, even though um, you know they, they've only they've got that really great win over the Crusaders, couldn't quite follow it up last week. But they they were still good. That um, that worth going along to, to to have a look at um, the, the Drua. Uh, I think the Highlanders have got a bit of uh, returning strength. I think Putty Putty Parkinson and Josh Dixon uh, are likely to be back. Um, so that'll that'll help them because you know when you're playing a team against the door, you really want to try and control possession.
0: Yeah, bang on. Uh, we've 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 talked long and long and longer, TJ. We've got to scoot out of here, but uh, appreciate your time, buddy. Um, Chiefs uh, top of the table. Is there any before we go looking at the table and moving towards the playoffs? Um, I guess the disappointing teams would have to be Moana Pacifica, and the ones that are performing great guns are the Chiefs. And the Brumbies. Is there any movers and shakers across the competition that you think we need to keep an eye on?
1: Well, Moana, they're playing well enough to to be in with a chance of winning most of the games they're playing, but they just can't quite finish the job off. I, you know, to me, um, the Chiefs they, and they're back to strength too. I, they put out a weakened team last week and battled a bit, but if you get Retalick, Kane, get Weber back, McKenzie will start. Uh, I, I think they're pretty, you know they're going to be very hard to beat. No, to to me, it's it's probably much the usual uh, suspects. Mm. Um, The the Australian teams, apart from the Brumbies, just too inconsistent at the moment. But I think the Brumbies do present a genuine threat.
0: Mm, Me too. Awesome, TJ. Love catching up as always. Have a great weekend.
1: All right, mate. Okay.